Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. It's so good to be with you. Um, any opportunity I have for free childcare, I'll do anything. And so I, <laughs> I even thought, sure, Dad, I'll do whatever you need, like as long as I don't have to, you know, um, I have a moment to just have a break. But I come from uh, this church. This is my home. I'm family. And if I've not had a chance to meet you, we're family. Um, and it's a privilege to just come and serve you today and come and hopefully communicate something that will encourage you. And I believe that it's not an accident you're here and that the Lord knows exactly where you're at in your faith journey and he wants you just as you are. So you can just sit back and relax and receive today where you're at and let the Lord himself speak to you and minister to you. Amen. Um, Don't you love your pastors? I do too. Yeah, that's a good amen. I do too. I love them. I love them because ministry is not what they do. It's who they are. It's always been who they are. Um, mom does live on speakerphone and often she, she actually part-time lives here. And then most of the time lives in California with me and my four (laughs) children and my roommate, Ryan. (laughs) No. And, um, and she is just such a blessing and dad, thanks for loaning her so much. But I often, I I mean, she's on, if she's not caring for her grandbabies or us, she's praying for someone on the phone. She's interceding for you in the spirit and, um, and, you know, praying for the salvation of her husband, you know, praying that he will come to faith. And we just are so glad he has. So God has, God has, re, yeah, really d- just a little bit, yeah, you're in process, but glory to God. No. Uh, and dad, I, I have the honor of preaching from, um, from your Bible today. And that is an honor for me because I stand on your shoulders and they are broad shoulders. Um, this message I'm speaking today is talks about praising him in the pain. And man, you have lived that testimony. And look at you, just 50 pounds lighter, just owning life here. 18 months of COVID and you've actually flourished. So, I mean, I put on some, but you've lost it all. Look at you. You look so good. Anyways, it's good to be with you today. Turn to somebody and say, she's about to get started finally. <laughs> I promise we'll get, you're going to get lunch today. <laughs> you're like, Okay. <laughs> Started at 1030 and she's not even opened the Bible. Okay, go ahead and open your Bible to Acts chapter 16, please. Acts chapter 16. And as you get there, uh, you know, I I don't have a picture to share with you, but uh, my husband and I, we have four kids. Uh, We have London Brave, she's six. Willow Grace, she's four. 
let's see, Remington Love, she's two. And then uh, about like four months ago, we had Kensington Joy. And um, we have four girls. And my husband jokes that he walks in the house and he just starts crying. He doesn't even know why. He's just like, just tears start running down his face because he's with a bunch of women, you know. And But it's a joy. But my husband and I, we love, uh, we love to take drives. And this specific drive we went on was like... Um, you know, BC before children. So there was just, you know, time, right? (laughs) And so we went on this drive and it was a beautiful sunny day and we were living in the Northwest and I'm driving his old blue Durango and we're listening to some country music. It's okay to love Jesus and country music if you don't know that. All right. So got some Tim McGraw fans. Yes. Thank you. Right there. I see the women in the back row. We love Tim McGraw and Jesus. That's all right. (laughs) Um, And we're listening to some country music going down the freeway and I am driving because, you know, the Bible says women drive better than men. I don't know if you've read that paraphrase, but it says that some of you are serious over here. I'm getting some serious judgment. I'm joking. That's not heresy. And so I'm driving down the freeway and all of a sudden out of nowhere, this big old ugly crow, I kid you not, hits my windshield, hits my windshield and hits it so hard that its head gets stuck in the windshield wiper. And it's half decapitated. So it's like beak is hitting the windshield as I'm driving. I would love to tell you that I was calm, cool, and collected just cruising down the freeway. I panicked. Like I panicked. So what did I do? What you would do. I turned on the windshield wipers. I'm trying to get that thing to fall off. Instead, it's just bloody bird goos are just going all over back and forth on my windshield. And I could go to the next level of panic. I let go of the steering wheel and I close my eyes (laughs) and I start screaming and we're still, I mean, my foot's on the gas and I'm on the freeway and y'all know the freeways here. Like, and I'm just cruising and I start to feel the car doing this. I don't care. I don't want to see what's in front of me. And Ryan's panicking. He's like, grab the wheel, grab the wheel. And by the grace of God, you know, nobody died. And we, we ended up being able to pull off the freeway. And that stupid bird ruined my perfectly beautiful date with my husband. Like, that drive was ruined. And I think he, like, got out a water bottle and just like a man took care of it and just, you know, washed it off. But what an irritant, right? What an irritant. And there are funny irritants, and then there are not funny irritants in our life. Like, have you ever felt like you just got hit out of nowhere? You were enjoying, we were cruising through 2019. And I'm not going to talk about COVID this morning. You're all done with it, all right? So, but I'm just going to take a minute and be honest. We all got hit in 2020. It like hit our windshield big. I don't care who you are. Our lives were somehow affected. Some of you introverts loved it. You were like, I've been waiting to not talk to you for my whole life. Now I've got a medical reason. (laughs) And your breath is so bad, you have to wear a mask, you know? You know, it's, it's just great. But for most of us, it's been like a, that stupid bird, you know, it just, and, and, and maybe instead of grabbing the steering wheel and great bless God faith, you panicked, let go, (laughs) closed your eyes and are afraid to even get back in the car. And if you would, I want to look with you at two men of faith who are just like you and me. They're normal humans who experienced the same kind of everyday troubles that we do. But back in the time of when Jesus, after Jesus had walked the earth and the church had started and people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then these two faith followers named 
Paul and Silas, they were really like apostles, leaders in the church. They are living their everyday life, going about their business, enjoying their routine of on their way even to the house to worship and pray. And all of a sudden, they get a little irritant. This demon-possessed girl starts following them around, and it's an irritating spirit that she carries. And I want us to look and see what happens because all of a sudden they get hit with something that was not fair, they didn't ask for, and they didn't see coming. So let's pick it up together in Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read this. Um, and, and, and here's what I love to do is if you haven't stood enough, but, oh, the word of God. It's alive and active, and we've heard it this morning. But I like to stand at attention for the word. If you're able to, would you stand? If not, enjoy sitting and just let your heart stand. That's fine. Acts 16, verse 16. I'm going to read the story of what happened. One day, as we, Paul and Silas, were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller, teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed along behind us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Why is that irritating, and what's wrong with what she's saying, you may think? Well, here's the thing. The demon-possessed slave girl, it was the evil spirit inside of her, and it was trying to distract from the work of God. In this culture and in this time, many people, it was a polytheistic culture. They believed in many gods. They worshipped anything and everything. So the words of this slave girl were not, like, powerful and the gospel to them. It was just a distraction. And so this irritant, this distraction is annoying Paul and Silas on their way to the prayer house. So verse 18 says, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated. Somebody say exasperated. Am I the only one that's ever been exasperated? (laughs) He got so exasperated or irritated that he turned and spoke to the demon within her. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, he said, and instantly it left her. Verse 19, well, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. See, the demon-possessed girl, this demonic spirit, the the fortune tellers, they would be slaves. And kings and rulers would hire their masters for the gift of the fortune teller before they went out to war. Um, are we going to win? What should we do? And this demon possessed girl would work in, in, in the demonic. And so they would get money for it. And all of a sudden they lost their paycheck. They're, they're, they're irritated. So what happens is this, they get so angry. They grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted. They are teaching the people to do things that are against Roman customs. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Now, these were a bunch of literally sticks, uh, 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 rods that were wrapped together with like a red cord, and there was an axe in the middle of it. So they were beaten, and then when you pulled off the rod, it would literally, it would also leave this open wound in their flesh. It was awful. So they beat them severely, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so he took no chances and put them in the inner dungeon. Somebody say inner. 
and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight. Around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open. Somebody say, flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Well, that's gross. Because here's the deal. The Roman officials would have killed him because he lost their prisoners. He didn't want to die by the Romans' hands. I mean, they were brutal. So he might as well just commit suicide. And I'm going to pause there. There's a spirit of suicide that we're dealing with right now. People are taking their life like never before. But here's what happens. Paul sees him about ready to commit suicide. And here's what he says. Don't do it. We're all here. Trembling with fear, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with your entire household. Shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. That same hour, the jailer washed their wounds and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Baptism is a public confession. I am a follower of Jesus. Then he brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Father, thank you for your word. Open our hearts to hear and receive. And most importantly, give us faith to act. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Pain has a way of disrupting our praise. Maybe just mine. (laughs) The goal of the enemy is to shut your mouth and to sit you down. There is a verse... And I want you to go here with me because I'm going to suggest something to you. I'm going to take some liberties in the faith this morning. You can read it more in scripture, but I want you to lean into this if you would. And study this on your own. Write down Isaiah 60 verse 18. And write down Revelation 21, 21. I'll say those again because forgive me, Mike. I don't have these for the PowerPoint. Isaiah 60, 18. And Revelation 21, 21. Now, usually in the word, you know, we want to, we want to go through the context, exegesis. What is, what is it God doing to the people here? What's the Hebrew? What does it mean for me? The word of God, sometimes we have to zoom out and we have to look at it from the balcony and we have to see from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the journey where God created us for relationship and paradise. We were meant for friendship with the creator made in his image. The devil hates what God loves. He tried to take you out. So he took out. Adam and Eve. Their sin became the seed of death and destruction, divorce, abuse, pain, sickness, death in the world we live in. The earth became the the domain of sin, but the kingdom of heaven is always bigger. Remember that the devil and God are not in this like toe-to-toe battle. The devil's a created being. God is always superior, but you and I, we are toe-to-toe. 
But in Christ Jesus, we are superior in the name of Jesus because we have the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. That all happened because Jesus paid the penalty of sin by dying on the cross, taking your blame that you could not heal, that you could not recover so that you wouldn't be a slave to sin. So the devil lost that. And then Jesus resurrects and he sends Holy Spirit. This is now New Testament fills the church believers with the Holy Spirit. And you and I, we get to live on the best side of history, friends, because in the Old Testament, the people of God, they lived following the glory of God, which was was presented through um, smoke. They saw the glory of God. They could not touch the Ark of the Covenant because if they did, it was so holy, they die. So they saw it. And then Jesus comes and the disciples got to see Jesus. He walked among them. But now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we get to experience it personally in our everyday living. So it's a pretty exciting place and situation for us as believers. And you know the devil's goal, he can't steal your eternity. So if he can dumb you down to the reality of what you have in Jesus, you live like a slave even though you're free. You live like a prisoner in chains and stuck, even though you have all the liberties that heaven's offered you through Christ Jesus. So the devil thought, I'm going to shut up Paul and Silas. I'm just going to shut them up. So he sent one of his demonic things and, you know, irritated him. Paul's like, I'm so irritated. Not with the slave girl. With the demon inside of her. I'm going to say this. The, the enemy is the enemy, not people. Some of us came to church just to hear that. People are not the enemy. The enemy's the enemy. Next time we comment on someone's post, remember, people are not the enemy. The enemy's the enemy. So he's irritated, deals with the spirit. And the devil thought, I got him. I got him. I got his witness. I'm going to shut these men up. They're on their way to go pray. I'm going to silence them. In the innermost dungeon... And then he's going to put their feet in stocks. And his goal the whole time is to silence these men. Because these verses I'm about to read to you is one of the greatest keys for you as a believer to living in authority. What the devil knew was that the praise of God's people is like a gate that he cannot enter. So here, in the midnight hour, they begin to praise anyways. Well, shoot. I thought we, yeah, ruined my plan. I'm going to send a pandemic. I'm going to cause panic among God's people. I'm going to mess with their finances. They're going to panic. I'm going to mess with their friendships. I'm going to bring division in their families. I'm going to bring division in their churches. I'm going to, I'm going to throw them in the inner dungeon. I'm going to silence their praise. He doesn't have new tricks. He's deceitful. And I've not come to speak on him, but I do want to turn the light on so we can just see together in the supernatural because you are a flesh person, but friends, you are a spirit person. You have a spirit. And if we live ignorant to the supernatural around us, We give open authority and access to the enemy's plans of our life. Pray at all times, Paul says, church. Be at alert. Be alert. Turn the lights on. So here's what praise does. 
Isaiah 60, 18. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land. Desolation nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation. Somebody say salvation. There's a reason. I don't have you talk out loud to like encourage me. I'm fine over here. I'm just doing my assignment. You can take it or leave it. But when you speak out loud something, your soul has ears to hear and you're actually confessing the word of God and it gets in your spirit. And I can't do that for you, but you can do it for you. So when I say salvation, my soul says salvation. So the walls are called salvation and your gates praise. Somebody say praise. I'd like to say this, that a walled city without gates is not necessarily safe. A walled city without gates is not necessarily safe. Salvation is what God has done for us through Jesus. Nobody can do it for you. You can't be good enough, my friends. You can't tithe enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't donate to Salvation Army enough. You can't be a good Samaritan enough. It doesn't matter. You cannot get yourself to heaven without Jesus. He is the wall of salvation. Salvation is what God does for us, but praise is what I do in response to God. It's a gate. It's a gate. And when I begin to praise God, what happens is I have an open heaven over my life. It's, I'm speaking about my inner life. If you could imagine your, your, your mind, your thoughts, your desires, and your choices, the land of your inner, your emotional and mental health, that place where your soul resides, it's like a city. And Jesus, as our Savior, comes around and says, you belong to eternity. And then inside of that city, violence has no more authority. There's no more destruction allowed. The hand of the enemy, he doesn't have your eternity anymore. But that gate is your choice. And if pain can hurt you enough to where you focus on offense over him, if pain can hurt you enough to where you focus as a victim more than the victorious life we have in Jesus, the devil says, oh, I got a gate that's open. I'm going to rob that woman of her joy. (laughs) I'm going to bring about a spirit of depression, and it's going to torment her. I've got about 70 years left to mess with this one. Oh, I'm going to come and I'm going to rob their peace. I'm going to stress them out. I'm going to come and I'm going to rob their identity. I'm going to bring sexual confusion. I'm going to come and I'm going to bring about lust. I'm going to steal from their house. I mean, they're under the blood of Jesus. They're saved for eternity. But I got this domain. But all of a sudden, at the midnight hour, in your pain, when you begin to give God thanks, thank you, Jesus, that you are on the throne and you're not panicking over this pandemic. I might not know how it's going to work out, but I know you're good. And your word says that you cause everything to work together for those who in Christ Jesus for our good. So even when the devil tried to throw me in an inner prison, even when he beat me, even when he tried to rob me, oh, you are the recoverer. You are the redeemer. You are the restorer. You are the healer. You are Jireh, my provider. I don't look at this anymore. I'm going to bring this and lay it at your feet. And I'm going to out loud confess in faith. 
faith, what I don't feel in the flesh, but I know in the spirit that Jesus is the savior of the world and the Holy Spirit is greater than the weapons that the enemy uses against you. You are stronger than you believe you've been. You are full of heaven. Well, I'm not. (laughs) Yes, you are. You just got to close that gate and remember the city that is called God's house. You are a carrier of the presence of heaven. Your city has been healed and cleaned. Your mind has been repaired. Your emotions have been restored. God says you're not a victim anymore. You're not a slave to abuse. You're not a slave to addiction. I have overcome it on the cross. It's time to shut the gate and focus more on me than this. It's so easy to stand before you and say, bless God, this is what we should do. But tomorrow when you wake up late for work, when you get laid off, when you find something on your spouse's computer you wish you didn't find. Come on, I'm getting too real. When you look in your bank account and you're praying to God, the numbers would increase. (laughs) Jesus, get another zero in there somewhere. When you're believing in faith for something, but you're put against a rod. We panic. We don't praise. But when we praise, you gain back authority and territory where it counts. Here's what happens in the whole purpose of this story, church. It's not just to preach to us about how we should praise through our pain and how you have an open heaven life and how God can and will heal you and how he's come to give you life and life to the fullest. Yes, 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 yes. I want to fill you with spiritual nutrients today. But the reality is... After we get filled, what do we do? The gate opened. Excuse me, the prison doors flew open and the shackles fell off. But uh, if I was Paul, I would have run. (laughs) I'd be like, sucker, (laughs) you jailer, you can die. Like, you know what I mean? You watched me suffer. You watched me bleed. You watched me be be tortured because their feet were in these stones that literally they would start to spread apart throughout the day. Can you imagine the pain? So it was torture chambers, these stocks for their feet. And in the middle of pain, they had a prayer service. Well, their wounds were festering. They weren't treated. We think that it was like our prisons. No, no, no. This was hell on earth. And in the face of hell, this jailer sat there and made sure they stayed. But then when God brought delivery... Paul waited until he brought the jailer with him. It's not just about us. Your freedom isn't just so you can be free. It's so that sandpaper person in your life, nobody, okay, just my life, I have sandpaper people. It's so they can be freed. Because people are not the enemy, church. The enemy's the enemy. And people are made in God's image. They are the treasure of heaven. That jailer, God made him. Oh, God loved him. God had a purpose for his life. He hadn't been told. He didn't know until Paul and Silas told him. And not only that jailer, but the entire household came to faith. Say, my praise is a witness. I want to go back to that verse of that your gate (laughs) will be called praise. Look at Revelations 21, 21. Now, this is where I want to 
continue to zoom out and looking at scripture, we see like the fall of man, the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, filling of the Holy Spirit, the church being commissioned and mission to go. The enemy doing everything he can since then to shut you up and silence you and break up the church. He's trying, but it won't prevail. Now we get to Revelations 21, 21. This is a prophetic book. This is a book that is foretelling of, of its prophecy. It says this, the 12 gates, he's speaking of a vision John is of heaven. The 12 gates were made of pearls. The gates were made of pearls. Each gate from a single pearl. <laughs> like, think of that with me. Anybody, um, you know, use your imagination. View a gate. Now, I want this in my house. <laughs> I would appreciate a gate with one massive pearl. Like, come on, somebody. <laughs> Thank you. Roll on up to my house with my big old pearl on my gate. It's a huge pearl. This gate is a pearl. Do you know how pearls are made? Through irritants. Yeah, you caught it. Let yourself catch it. A clam, it receives all this like gross bacteria and it's irritated and it gets so irritated that there's a pearl. In your seasons of irritation, in the inner dungeon, when you feel like you've been immobilized in your mission and faith, when you're discouraged and tired, you're irritated, when you begin to praise, a pearl begins to form in your life. A pearl begins to form in your life. The devil is bad. The father is good. We can go home. If we could just grab the foundational doctrine that God is good. He's the good shepherd. He, he cares for us. We could, we could face these things a little easier. But when we begin to blame the hand of the devil for the hand of the Lord, we pull away from church. We pull away from praise. We pull away from the word. Because if God loved me, why did he let this happen? If God was on my side, how come life is so hard? Because, sis, you're not in heaven yet. You live on this side. But guess what? In the face of hell, you can release heaven. In the face of what you're going through, you can release authority that actually causes the tormentor in other people's lives to be released. Are you hearing me? There's something about praise. You're not going to feel like it. I wish I could tell you you're going to feel like it. My oldest sister, I'll never forget her Firstborn son, the love of her life, was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. Told her, the doctor said, he probably won't make it through his childhood. He's going to suffer an awful death. And he probably won't make it through his adolescence. But, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. Here's like a community group to join for support. You know what my sister did? She didn't throw a pity party. She didn't ignore it. Hear me. We can't ignore. That's also living in fear. Everything's perfect. Praise God. I'm doing so good. Yeah. God's on the throne. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I just stubbed my toe and it hurts. Oh, God is good. No. We're like, oh my gosh, my toe hurts. Life is hard. I want to cry. I want to scream. I want to say things that are holy, but God knows me. He loves me. He wants me as I am. So in his presence, I will run. I will throw up my pain. 
pain on him. And then I will begin to confess who he is. I'm not going to hide it. And my sister, I remember I was at a service with a choir from my school and she was there on the front row on the right side. And we began to sing, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say that it is well, it is well with my soul because I'm on the winning team. I don't know what's going to happen in this life, but I know that victory is mine. And on the other side of my last breath here is my first breath in heaven where God is awaiting me to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You praised me in prison and I have thrown open the gates to welcome you into your eternal reward. I've come because it's in me burning because I got pain. I got irritants. I wish I could tell you I responded with praise. I need the Holy Spirit every day. I need the word of God. Sometimes I literally in my house with my hot mess mama life, open the word of God. I just put it on my heart. Like God, I need you because I can't do this. You know what today is, and I don't. And you're not going to be surprised when I feel hit. So God, you're going you're gonna to throw an escape plan. And in that escape plan, God, give me eyes to see the jailer. Give me eyes to see the lost. Mama, come play if you wouldn't mind. For too long, the Lord said this to me, for too long my people have been tied up and left immobilized in the spirit. They ache for rest but have no peace because they're weary. I don't ignore the pain. I bring the pain. And as an offering in my pain... I say, God, I know you're good. I know he's bad. I trust you with this mess I cannot figure out. And I will be willing to, at the midnight hour, raise a hallelujah. And I will be willing to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. I will lend what I have to those without. I will release my right for the sake of their eternity. Oh, I'm going to praise him in the pain. And you know what happens is all of a sudden you begin to change. Do you know that scientists and psychologists literally have studied the brain? Remember, God made us, so he knows our body. He cares about it. So we, we talk even about mental health. It's been studied. The brain has been studied what happens when you vent joy. <laughs> So what happens is they've done these studies on the brain and the frontal lobe where you experience, you know, your feelings. It's like, and listen, I got a strong frontal lobe. <laughs> like I feel <laughs> like I feel everything. You hurt yourself. I feel it. You know, my, my poor husband <laughs> and I'm raising feelers like we feel, but to not be led by a life of feeling means that I got to oftentimes choose the faith journey. And I've struggled in my life with emotional health and mental health. I struggled severely with postpartum, which is why I studied the brain and studied this, because I struggled after my baby with such depression and anxiety, I couldn't get out of bed. I remember I had three, uh, two others to care for and then a newborn, and I could not get out of bed. I was so depressed. 
and my husband couldn't stay home. He had to work, and I would just open up fishy crackers and just, like, put them on the ground so the girls would have snacks, and I would close the gate to the stairs and just pray to God that they were okay. And I remember the devil saying to me, you think you're going to raise these girls to love God and know him? Look at you, stuck in bed. You can't even get up. You think that you can walk this faith life with your husband in ministry? Like, you can't even get up. I was in an inner prison and it smelled. It was cold and lonely. And I was a pastor. Bless God. On the outside, things can look good, but what's going on in the inside? That's what the Lord cares about. It's your freedom of your inner city. I had opened that gate to the enemy. I had given him authority. I dwelt on those thoughts. I complained, 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 complained. My dad came to visit me. He said, baby, and I was so mad at you. He said in the car, he goes, baby, godliness with contentment is great gain. Shut up, dad. I don't want to hear the word of God. <laughs> so irritated. Shh. Oh, yeah. When you're hurting, you don't want anybody preaching at you. Oh, do you know what I'm going through? Do you feel it? You got a little bit of an attitude, and God's not threatened by that. But my brain, every time I would complain, every time I dwell on depression, anxiety, I'm stuck in this, I'm stuck in this, I'm stuck in this, I'm stuck. Life sucks. This is hard. This is awful. I, you know, what happens is your brain causes these brain wavelengths, these neurotransmitters that actually send signals to where you, your body releases the hormone of the happy hormone. It's called the happy hormone. Who wants that? God's done this for us, by the way. Those neurotransmitters stop sending signals to your body to release the happy hormone. So we walk in mental sickness. We walk depressed. We walk anxious. And then that cycle of complaining, of pain, depression, complaining, wanting freedom, feeling shame, complain, we stay stuck in it. But I've come to tell you that even if you don't believe me for the spirit, can I tell you from scientists today? that have explored God's creation, that when the brain begins to, it feels pain, and then I choose to give God praise and say, God, I trust you. God, I'm going to vent my joy. I'm going to recall what you've done in my past. I'm going to recall the faithfulness of the Lord. These neurotransmitters start triggering. They start triggering the happy hormone. And what happens is all of a sudden, you got a little bit of joy in your walk. Can you hear me? It is proven that when you praise, your body releases joy. And don't you know, yeah, you can clap. That's amazing. God did that. Your brain responds to your mind and your body responds to your brain. So all of a sudden, I started venting joy. Because when I was suicidal as a pastor's wife with three babies feeling stuck, I didn't need more scriptures thrown at me. I needed somebody to get in my face like my dad and mama did. And they said, all right, it's, it's hard. You're miserable. It's ugly in here. Like, it's, it's all dead. It's hot. What happened wasn't okay. It's time to vent joy. It's time to remember where God came through for you. Do you remember when you were 12 and had no friends? Do you remember when you were bullied in, in elementary school and then God plucked you through that, plucked you out of that and put you here? Do you remember how you almost married that wrong man? Oh, Jesus, do I remember? 
oh, I'm going to raise a hallelujah right now in the presence of my enemy. Like that would have been bad. But do you remember how your heart was broken? You thought it was over and actually it was mercy. Do you see the goodness of God in your life? And I was like, wait a minute. Do you remember how you didn't die when you were supposed to die with your first baby because your body went toxic? Do you remember how God stepped in? Do you remember how God rescued your husband? Do you remember how he pulled him out of the pit and rescued him and his life and healed him? Do you see how I brought your marriage through that first year? Why at year nine am I going to abandon you? Why, why, why now in your thirties, am I going to drop you all of a sudden when we vent joy, what happens is we begin to walk in it. It's not just a fluffy message that you come to church to receive. Nobody can do this for you. Nobody can go home on your Monday in traffic and raise a hallelujah. I don't care who you are. You've got to choose it for yourself. Put down the bottle and get the fork out and start feeding yourself spiritual nutrition from the word of God. What you look at, what you give your attention to is what you will digest in your spirit. And is it not God's promise to care for you? It's his problem if you belong to Jesus. So lay it at his feet. Oh, come on. Even scientists can't argue how God's made our brains. Closing here soon. My pastor, when he had his little girls, they were they were young, four little girls, and they went to the fair. And um, one of them, Victoria, she ran off. And my pastor, Pastor Sean, he thought his wife Diana had Victoria. Well, Diana thought Sean had Victoria. So. They get together at the fair. They're all together. And everyone's like, where's Victoria? Where's Victoria? And Sean said that immediately, if you're a parent, you can imagine this panic. Anybody ever felt that? Like, like, oh, you're, nothing else matters until you find that baby. Until you finally get some of y'all, you were that kid. You like ran away from your <laughs> panic. And, and Sean said he would, he ran around to everybody at the fair. Have you seen, have you seen a little girl? She's got long brown hair. She's wearing a purple sweatshirt. I can't find her. And you know what? Nobody cared. Nobody was like, I'm going to help you find her. Let's go together. I'll go this way. You go that way. We're going to get her. It's going to be okay. No, everyone was like, no, sorry, man. And they kept, you know, eating their popcorn. I wonder if that's us as the church. The father's like, have you seen my lost kids? You're so offended with that one, but that one I love, and that one's going to hell, and your offense, I care about it, but their eternity is way more important than your comfort right now, and I need you to show them what I've done in your life. Help me find my lost kids. Let your praise be a witness. But instead, I'm going to get my sword out like Peter, and I'm going to slice somebody's ear off with my social media comments. Come on, anybody. Jesus said, put the sword away. Put the sword away. Church, put the sword away. Your comfort, your opinion is not worth their eternity. How you witness to the world matters. Your life is the only picture of the kingdom of heaven. What are they seeing? My God, what are they seeing? You're not responsible if the jailer comes out with you. Paul and Silas, they gave the opportunity. You're responsible to give the opportunity.
your praise is a witness, friends. Would you just take a moment and close your eyes in the presence of God? This is a heavy, good word. But the word of God does not bring sorrow that pulls you down. It brings healing that calls you up. And some of us just need to flat out repent. (laughs) And I'm standing with you. I got to repent. I got so irritated the other day at the flight attendant, lost my baggage, told me they didn't know what to do for me. Oh, I wanted to give her a piece of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I wanted to be like, oh, don't you know what to do for me? Let me help you with that. My flesh was like, <laughs> and then the Lord was like, where are you going to? Well, I'm, I'm going to preach to a bunch of women about, uh, shoot. What are you going to preach to her? Put down your sword, Christina. Be patient. I made her. Her marriage hurts. Her baby's sick. She's got no money and tired. And you got her at the last hour of her shift. And my mama can attest it was the last hour of her shift, wasn't it? She was like tired. Oh, she was hurting. She didn't need me to come and bless God, bring about my right and my justice. I'm an American citizen. Thank you. I deserve this treatment. I'm a customer. No, no, no. First, I belong to the kingdom of heaven. First, I'm a daughter of the king. And then I respond out of that place of humility and love. If that's you with me, just open up your hands. Say, Father, I repent of my pride I repent of my offense my offense has silenced my praise it has trapped me and I don't want it anymore God give me your eyes to see the way heaven sees God, give me your heart that breaks for what breaks your heart. God, give me your ears to hear what's being said past the words and the tones of others. And give me the mind of Christ to have your thoughts for others. And Lord, right now even, I pray a balm, a healing coating of comfort over the heart of those in this house that have been hurt and run over. Lord, you are our justice. You'll deal with it, and we trust you with the rest. Amen.